Good morning. So I'm starting a new series, as um, Graham said. If you have your Bible and you want to turn to James 1, please do, but there will be some verses coming up on the screen. It's thought the book of James was written around AD 50, so it's fairly early, um, probably for Christians in Jerusalem after the death of Stephen. It actually refers to the 12 tribes at the beginning of the, of the book, and I think um, that's a reference to sort of Jewish Christians, if you like, in Jerusalem. And it's often compared to the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Although it sounds like a letter at the beginning, it doesn't really read that way. It's more like little nuggets of wisdom. It's funny, we've talked about wisdom already this morning. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a collection of wisdom, really, which makes it quite difficult to <laughs> preach on, especially the first chapter, because there's so much in there. And that, although there are themes that appear again and again, there's no one kind of overriding theme, I guess. Um, there are some famous themes that you'll know that I'm sure the people that follow me are going to talk about, about controlling the tongue, about faith and works. But today I'm going to talk about dealing with trials and temptations. Resilience is a bit of a buzzword these days. It simply means the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Toughness, if you like. In material terms, it's the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape. Elasticity. The American Psychological Association calls it this. Resilience is the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional and behavioural flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. Don't we all need that right now? We might also call it endurance, but endurance is more like pushing on, pushing on, pushing on through. Resilience is bouncing back. So endurance can kind of lead to burnout if you're not careful. So we want to be resilient, don't we? Proverbs 24, verse 16, could be seen as the theme verse for the resilient. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The believer in Jesus is upheld by God's power, and so in theory, we should be naturally resilient. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 to 9, that beautiful verse. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Christians should keep bouncing back. The key to resilience is faith in the Lord. This is kind of ironic coming from me. If you know me well, you'll know I'm trying to get a novel published right now. And you need resilience in bucket loads. I've learned a lot about the murky world of publishing in the last few years. There are some people in the room who will have also had this experience. To get the novel published in the traditional way, you have to find an agent. They don't publish it. They just assess you to see if they like you. And if they like you, they represent you to try and get published. If they like a sample of your work, they might, try and, they might ask you to send a bit more. If they really like it, they might offer to help you try and get published. If they don't like your work, you get a rejection letter. At the moment, it's so incredibly competitive that to even find an agent, they estimate you need to write to maybe 200. That's 200 rejection letters. <laughs> That's before they even start trying to find you a publisher who can then reject you all over again. And for a piece of work that you've nurtured and loved and spent maybe years working on, it's tough. And while I'm not quite in the league of these people, even famous writers went through it. Beatrix Potter had so many rejections for Peter Rabbit that she ended up self-publishing. 
She paid for the first 250 copies, and she ended up selling 450 million. Rudyard Kipling, who wrote the Jungle Book, was told he didn't know how to use the English language by one publisher. F. Scott Fitzgerald was famously told, you'd have a decent book if you just get rid of that Gatsby character. <laughs> Stephen King, the famous horror writer, says you should keep every single rejection letter to remind yourself to keep going. By the time I was 14, he says, the nail in my wall would no longer support the weight of the rejection slips. I replaced the nail with a spike and kept on writing. Rejection hurts. We've all experienced it in some form. Pain, hurt, rejection, trauma. We've all been through it in some form in our lives. We've been through it in the last few weeks, in fact. So how do we keep bouncing back? How do we keep on writing? Keep on working, keep on parenting, keep on hoping, especially in the face of what we've been through as a country in the last few weeks, what we're still going through the last few years. The world would advise things like mindfulness, having a support network around you, getting out into nature, managing your own physical health, and these are all really helpful practices. But if you're a Christian here today, you can go further. James here gives us some keys for being resilient, which I hope you'll find as helpful as I did. Embrace trials and challenges, resist evil, ask God for wisdom. We begin with the most challenging. <laughs> Embrace and thank God for the challenges you go through. Verse 2, if we could have that up please, reads this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. The message reads this way. It's the next slide. Thank you. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. This is just verse 2. We're called not just to put up with the trials that come our way. We're told to embrace them, to consider them with joy. Every time my book gets rejected by another agent, I'm supposed to jump for joy. Hooray, I suck. Woo! <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Jesus himself tells us we will have suffering. We will have trouble in this life. In John 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. St. Paul went through all manner of sufferings. But he says this in Romans 5, We also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. I did tell you this was the challenging one. But if you can find a way to greet your trials with joy, you will have unlocked one of the keys of life. And I'm not just talking about my vain attempts to get published. I'm talking about really challenging trials that we all face from time to time. The rewards are considerable. It's not just about being resilient, though that is one advantage. It's also about heavenly rewards, says James. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
In the message it reads, anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons, I love this phrase, loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. When I was preparing this, it was just after the Queen had passed away. And one of the themes that came out so strongly at her funeral was her loving service, her perseverance, her dedication to her role. She's a great example of someone who kept on keeping on, who held on tight to her faith no matter what she was going through. I know her trials were not the same as our trials, but she went through the mill and she hung on to her faith. And in fact, she talked about it so much in the later years of her life, they had no choice but to talk about it all the time they were covering her funeral. Her faith was out there. There was no denying it. There was no way of not talking about it. What a testimony. I feel sure she's received the crown of life from Jesus. But crowns in heaven are not just for royalty. Any of us can show the same dedication to God, the same perseverance. And not only can you reserve yourself a crown of life in heaven, you'll also be developing and growing here on earth into the person God made you to be. Life in all its fullness, as Jesus put it. And it will build up your faith. As Nicky Gumbel, the leader of the Alpha Movement, puts it, He's on the next slide, I think. Thank you. When things are going well, I'm tempted to be proud and self-reliant. When I'm struggling and know my weakness, I become utterly dependent on the Lord. Max Licardo said, God never said the journey would be easy, but he did say the arrival would be worthwhile. So embrace your challenges with joy. I've got a dry mouth. That's my challenge. Secondly, run from temptation. Run from evil. Don't let it blow you off course. Some trials can be external factors beyond our control, but some we bring upon ourselves. Some we just we give into our sinful natures. We get ourselves in a pickle. Let's look at what James says about facing temptation in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That is great advice, isn't it? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I'm reading a lot for this from the message because it's just beautifully put. And the next is my favourite. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. Listen to these words. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Isn't that beautiful? A salvation garden of your life. Joyce Meyer said, No matter what has happened to you in the past, or what is going on in your life right now, it has no power to keep you from having an amazingly good future if you walk by faith in God. God loves you. He wants you to live with victory over sin so you can possess his promises for your life today. Now, there's a common myth around suffering that I want to debunk here. It's very common in Christian circles, and it comes from Corinthians, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that before? 
don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's not true, I'm afraid, on several levels. The verse is actually from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and it refers to temptation, not suffering. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. He doesn't promise we won't have suffering beyond what we can bear. And we've all, I'm sure, been through things that felt unbearable. But it does say we won't be tempted beyond what we can bear. That's the good news. And it says God will provide a way out. If you're facing temptation today, if you're being pulled towards something you know is not right, perhaps you're stuck in something you can't get out of, try not to blame God. In verse 13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It's dangerous, that. because It's almost like deflecting the blame to someone else. Then when we mess up, we can say, God put that temptation in my way. I had no choice. It wasn't my fault. James is very strong on this point. He's quite strong through the whole book, but it's fantastic. It is our fault. Only we can decide to turn the other way. Only we can decide to chuck out the things we know are wrong. And we do carve out our own path in that. But if that sounds rather tough, there is hope. Firstly, of course, there's forgiveness in Jesus when we do mess up. And secondly, we can ask God for help. So that's my third point, is asking God for help. And specifically here, he's talking about his wisdom. God loves you. He doesn't send the temptations. And a lot of biblical scholars would argue he doesn't send the trials either. But he does allow us to go through them. Even Jesus was tempted in the desert, as we all know. Christians don't get off lightly, I'm afraid. And we are encouraged to greet trials with joy, which in our Britishness we could take to mean grin and bear it. But that's not how God works. He's a loving God. Romans 8 verse 28 tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love him. So embracing difficulties and trying to face them with joy or resisting temptation doesn't mean we have to do that all in our own strength. We can ask him for help. Asking for help is not a weakness, but a strength. How many of you have you seen this, this image before? I'm betting everybody in the room. If we just um, flash that up, thank you. Have you seen this one before? Yeah. What is the bravest thing you've ever said, asked the boy? Help, said the horse. This artwork, as I'm sure you know, is from the book by Charlie Mackesee. The boy, the fox, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Get the animals in the right order. The quote goes on to say, when have you been at your strongest when I've dared to show my weakness. I think we've had that already this morning from Brian as well. And from, uh, yeah, from Albert too. Wow. How many of you have read this book? Quite a lot of you. It came out at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. It was Christmas 2019, and it sold over 2 million copies. It has 100,000 Amazon reviews and a score of 4.9 out of 5. People just love it. Some reports claim it's one of the biggest selling UK hardbacks of all time, not including the Bible, of course, because they never include that. This Christmas, there's going to be an animated version. Hooray! Charlie Mackesy was a relative unknown until this came out. He's an artist and a sculptor, 
and a sculptor, and I'm sure most of you know he's a Christian. In fact, if you've done Alpha with me, you will know that. There's Richard. Come see him. Um, because he's one of the people on the videos. He was an atheist, and he talks about how he came to faith. He's the guy who was fixated on the ugly carpet for the whole of the first session, <laughs> which really um, is brilliant. If you've never seen his, his talk, Come As You Are, on YouTube, I really recommend it, especially if you've got any friends who are searching. It's a fantastic gospel message. This was a God-inspired piece of work. Dan bought this one for me. I bought 10 copies for my friends, including several who are not Christians, and they found it so encouraging and supportive. This image appeared in countless hospitals, children's homes, hospital corridors, all the way through the pandemic, and it's simply called Courage. On the Penguin website, there's a case study of a guy who didn't take his own life because he saw this and he asked for help instead, and I know he's not the only one. This book actually saved lives. There's an illustration later in the book where it says, sometimes just getting up and carrying on is brave and magnificent. Asking for help from those around you is brave and it's life-giving. And I say that as someone who's really not good at asking for help. I would be the person putting it back in the pigeonhole when I really should be asking for help. Yes, yeah, several people nodding. Yes, I have to remind myself to do this. We're built to live in community, as Graham talked about, as Steve Campbell talked about. And in James, asking God for help is encouraged. Here, it's not just about asking for help, it's also about asking for wisdom specifically. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the person who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I told you James was a bit harsh. <laughs> he doesn't pull any punches, does he? What does he mean here? That we, If we say it slightly the wrong way, God's not going to help us. My daughter Ruby had a little friend over to play the other day. I'll call her Louisa, for the sake of anonymity. Ruby came into the room and said, Mummy, Daddy, Louisa and I have decided something. We've decided we're both questions. We were a bit confused. <laughs> what do you mean, darling, you're both questions? She said, Mummy, don't be silly. Louisa is a question now, like we're all questions. <laughs> it took us a moment to work out what she meant. We're all Christians. <laughs> Her little friend had decided to become a Christian at five years old. Isn't that amazing? But she hit on something there, didn't we? <laughs> didn't she? We're all questions. Aren't we just? I could preach a whole sermon on that. In Mark 9, a boy with a spirit that made him mute is brought to the disciples, but they fail to heal him. The father tells Jesus, who says, you unbelieving people, how long shall I stay with you? And he tells the man to bring the boy to him. The father says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus picks him up on it immediately. If you can, he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. The next verse says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. That beautiful tension there that we all carry between doubt and faith. I think we all identify with that father. But we can ask God for help with our doubts. We all have them. We can ask God to take us through those. And Jesus encourages us that even faith the side of a mustard seed is enough to see huge miracles. 
And James here is encouraging us to pray with faith. Be decisive and specific in what you pray about. And don't go to every other source of wisdom that's out there, which is quite relevant these days. I did a little trawl for some internet wisdom. Brace yourselves. An apple a day keeps anyone away if you throw it hard enough. I never make the same mistake twice. I make it three or four times just to be sure. The worst part of online shopping is having to get up and get your credit card from your purse. Before you marry a person, you should really make them use a computer with slow internet to find out who they really are. You know you've reached middle age when you're cautioned to slow down by your doctor instead of the police. A good rule to remember for life is when it comes to plastic surgery and sushi, never be attracted by a bargain. You know you're getting old when you stoop to tie your shoelaces and wonder what else you could do while you're down there. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. Don't go to the internet. <laughs> when you pray, have faith that God will answer you. Ask, and he'll give you his perfect wisdom. In 1 Kings 3, King Solomon asked God for wisdom. He asked for a discerning heart to help him lead the people. And God is so pleased with him for asking for that that he gives him riches as well. I can't promise that's going to happen. It's worth a try at the moment, isn't it? But um, it pleases God when we ask him for wisdom. It pleases God when we ask him for help. So if you have a tough decision to make or you're facing temptation, ask God to give you his wisdom to help you make the right choice. One last thing from Charlie Mackesy. He always says the prodigal son should be called the running father because the, the father runs to hug his son when his son's messed up. So overall, God loves you. He doesn't want you to be struggling with temptation. He doesn't want you to be struggling with worry or with trials. He loves you. Do you see how much is in this one chapter? Verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The word of truth is Jesus. Graham talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You were made through Jesus. My dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes from heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There's nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. There's echoes here of Jesus' own words. Which one of you, if you ask God for a bread, will give him a stone? If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. He will give you the wisdom that you need to make tough decisions. He will answer your prayers. He will help you in your troubles. He will shape you through your challenges and give you resilience. Just ask him. I leave you with a quote from our dearly departed queen. This is what she sent to the Lambeth Conference in August. And it couldn't be more relevant. It's my prayer to you all. Throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide, and in them I find hope. It is my heartfelt prayer that you will continue to be sustained by your faith in times of trial and encouraged by hope in times of despair. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
for your incredible love for us. We thank you that you are the running father, that you run to embrace us, whatever state we're in. Forgive us when we fall into temptation. Help us to be strong and resist evil. Help us to ask you for what we need in faith, casting our doubts aside. Help our unbelief. Help us to embrace challenges with joy, thanking you for every opportunity to grow in our faith. Amen.